When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome to Buckeye Talk. We are back down from the mountains of Pennsylvania, back uh, home in Columbus. I'm Nathan Baird from Cleveland.com. He's Doug Liam Reese. He actually never left home. He was there with his ceremonial Chili's order watching the Buckeyes. 38 to 25 victory over the Nittany Lions improved to two and zero. I was not prepared. I was so excited for my first visit to Beaver stadium and then it wasn't going to be a whiteout. So it took all the atmosphere out of it. And then I found out it might be the worst press box in major American football. Like it's, I, there, I, it's, it's, it was, I was, I was really, <laughs> I was really underwhelmed frankly by the, the Beaver stadium experience in so many ways. There's only one pooper in the press box, which is a problem. So when uh, when the when the pregame meal hits at halftime, um, some of the some of the uh, there's one toilet It can be an issue. It can be an issue. And it's a small and it like hangs. It's like separate. It feels like you're out like uh, like in the St. Louis Arch or something like you're hanging over nothing. It's not it's old. Michigan's used to be like that until like 10 years ago. And then they completely redid it. But yeah, so Ohio State, Ohio State's press box is very nice and it can spoil you. And then you go somewhere that's a big, giant program and a big, giant stadium. And it's an old press box. And it's like, whoa, this is weird. Yeah. Illinois is not great. It's pretty uh, old and kind of open and cold in the in the winter. So it's it's not my favorite either. But um, this one, I was just expecting more. You think the stature of Penn State, like this will be like a palace and you'll be like excited to be in it. And then it was kind of they usually have a good pregame meal, though, because it's like kind of like a home cooked pregame meal. And I'm sure they didn't have that buffet. or no, whatever. No, no. Normally it's box, like box lunch. Yeah. Yeah. So ham sandwich. That's fine. It was fine. I'm not, I'm, I, you know, it's, <laughs> I'm, I'm not like a lot of my sports writer brethren are, are, they're big on the pregame meals and I enjoy them, but I'm also not one of these people that complains about the pregame meal. It's like, you don't have to feed me. You choose to feed me. So I appreciate it. I'll take whatever morsel you throw at me. Yeah. There's a lot of fat sports writers who love to talk about nothing except <laughs> press box food, which is one of the I'm a fat sports things. writer too, but. No, I know. It's like I'm a fat sports writer too, but it's like it, you can choose what to talk about. And uh, I've there are too many of those conversations that it's very relatable. 
man, when I went to this game for free, the food wasn't very good. I'm a sports writer. Give me a break. So I've been driving all day. I have not had a chance to rewatch the Ohio State victory over Penn State. I don't know if you probably haven't either because you've been doing Brown stuff. So we'll probably get more into that uh, later on the, the Wednesday Buckeye Talk podcast. Um, and, and through all of our stuff, come to cleveland.com. We'll be writing about it in the next uh, couple of days too. But um, so I didn't know if you wanted to go right into any specific topics you have, or should we go into our usual categories and then we can branch off into the things that we want to talk about? Yeah, I think the structure is good. I think you can okay. lead us into the Baird categories. We'll start off with ballot boxing. This is where you tell me how much of an idiot I am for something I did with my AP poll, which I will say this is definitely the worst one I've done this year because it's anytime you have a, a late night game and then an hour and 45 minute podcast, and then you get up the next morning and try to compile a ballot on a, on a time crunch. Cause you have to have it in by a certain time. It's going to be probably your worst one. So I think this is definitely probably the ballot that I'm like, now that I've gone back and looked at it again, I'm like, Oh, I'd probably tweak some things, but um your thoughts on the travesty that I sent in this morning. Well, let me read this first from our tech subscribers from the 330. Nathan saw a Reddit thread where you're the largest outlier voter in the AP voting this week, leaving Coastal Carolina, among others, off the ballot. Do you have second thoughts? Also, this person says they're fully aware of the ridiculous AP voter deadline plus Ohio State in prime time surely complicated that. Do you wish you had voted for Coastal Carolina? No, I, I have no problem leaving off Coastal Carolina. I don't know, and I haven't looked at who else um, I would have left off that other people voted for. Um, I did do some late tweaks because I almost left Michigan off. I They were like seven on my ballot last week, and I, I don't go by last week's ballot, so I was just kind of going back through, and somehow they just slipped through, and I, I like had already hit submit, and then I was like, wait a second. I'm forgetting something. I went back and looked and it was Michigan. So I stuck them in at 23. I don't, I didn't feel like knocking them all the way out, although I'm sure a lot of people did. Um, a lot of people knocked Penn state all the way out. I don't know who I left off that um, would have been an obvious, I mean, like it's, it's, it's probably because I left off like Marshall and Wake Forest and people like that, that are getting votes and coastal Carolina is up to 15. Now it's, it's lunacy. It's lunacy. Are you tell you're going to tell me Coastal Carolina and Penn State on a neutral field? How much does Penn State win that game by? And I hate. I, I've often said, I when you have a head to head, then I hate the who would win on a neutral field thing. But and I don't like the neutral field thing in general. The imaginary neutral field. I well, don't play like it at that. Coastal Carolina. I'm still taking Penn no, State by four touchdowns. But I don't like it in a world where there is a presumed level playing field, like a presumed, and I presume a level playing field among the Power Five conference teams. And you can allow, I think, some variance. Hey, I think the SEC is a little better here or whatever. But that's a presumed level playing field. And that people just like ignore that presumed level playing field. I've got a middle school team that's undefeated. You want to rank them just because they have a zero in the loss column? What's the difference? You're, you're in love with the zero. You're in love with the zero. And I don't, I don't yep. know why, why it's not realistic. It's not grounded in reality. Do you think coastal Carolina is better than Iowa? If coastal Carolina and Iowa played, no who chance. would win? Coastal Carolina, Iowa wins that game. No question. So why are no you question. getting, why are people getting their jollies off ranking coastal Carolina 15th? As and and Liberty said, is 25th this week, by the way. Liberty, a religious school coached by a cheater. So good luck with that. 
Like, again, hey, Hugh Freeze cheated his butt off at Old Miss. Let's hire him at Liberty. But they play nobody. That's the main thing. They play nobody. Uh, it's right. it's it's embarrassing. It really is. So, like, if your outlierness is, ba- is based on the fact that you're not ranking Coastal Carolina, I got Genoa Middle School a mile from my house. Hey, AP voters, line up and vote for him. Because if you're only going by record, tell me what the difference is. You don't care about, about level of competition because you're proving it. So don't be so dumb. It's embarrassing. And it's not. It's like the whole poll is an embarrassment. But I did have one thing that I thought jumped off the page about a team that you did not vote for. And I'm so shocked about it. I looked at it and I double-checked it. But now I am going to double-check it again. Because I still cannot believe that you didn't vote for them. And I'm looking and I'm looking and I'm looking and you did not vote for them. Ready? Can I guess? Can I guess what you're going to say? Yeah. Because I think you're being facetious. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm actually, I'm emphasizing it, but I'm actually not being facetious. Go ahead. You know it then. Is it Purdue? It's Purdue. You th- I said something the other day about, hey, I think, don't you think Purdue has a chance to win the West? Aren't you, are you like not intrigued by them beyond I, them being two I'm, and oh? I'm writing about this in madness this week a little bit because, especially because if they don't have to play Wisconsin this coming week. Okay. So Northwestern has beaten Maryland and Iowa, and right. Purdue has beaten Illinois and Iowa, right? Is that who Purdue beat? Yes. And yes. Per, you think Purdue in your heart, not in your heart, in your head, you think Purdue's better than Northwestern just because they're going to play. They haven't played yet, right? Do you think that Purdue's better than Northwestern? Uh, no. Oh, because you have Northwestern but, 25th. But right, ranking, if I thought Purdue was better than Northwestern, I would have ranked Purdue. But you think – who do you think has a better chance to win the West? Well, again, if Purdue doesn't have to play Wisconsin and Northwestern does, now this is all presuming that Wisconsin somehow – gets knocked out of the West. But if it, of those two teams, if one doesn't have to play Wisconsin, the other one does, I'll take the one that doesn't have to play Wisconsin. But they still doesn't mean to, they're the better team. They still have to play each other. When they play each other, who do you think is going right. to win? Uh, I would, I think I would, I would pick Northwestern. Really? Okay. I bet you, because, when we, I bet you, you get to pick Purdue when we get to that game. Rondale well, Moore depends on even, what the point spread is. Rondale Moore hasn't even played yet for them. Right. But they also, I'm, I'm not that convinced. So here's, here's the difference between the two resumes so far. Resumes, two games. Purdue won at home against Iowa in a way that's very similar to the way that Indiana beat, North, uh, beat Penn State. A game where if you look inside that game, Iowa actually, I wouldn't say outplayed them, but it was a game that could have gone either way. Purdue wins. It wasn't like they dominated that game. And I get, neither did Northwestern, but they had to go on the road to beat Iowa. And when Northwestern played Maryland, they obliterated them. And when Illinois, when Purdue played at Illinois, which was using just like kids they were pulling out of the crowd, I think, at quarterback by the end of that game, they ended up winning by a touchdown because it was a pretty they, – they played pretty sloppy. Um, I, I have questions about Purdue's defense. I think they're going to score a ton of points. I would love to see Purdue go head-to-head with Ohio State. I thought that was going to be a great matchup. And if Rondo Moore were healthy and David Bell, I think that would be a lot of fun. But – uh, I, I don't know that they can defend well enough. And I think Northwestern's the one team. I think Northwestern can find a way to match up with them defensively, first of all. But I also think Northwestern might be the one team in the West that can defend well enough to hang with Wisconsin if Wisconsin's fully healthy and has all of its guys available. 
Yeah, I think it's I think it's possible too. I don't think it has to only like I don't think Wisconsin season has to collapse for Northwestern to win the West. I think Northwestern's got a shot against them. I just think yeah. Peyton Ramsey settles them down so much. Peyton Ramsey is just like a better than competent veteran Big Ten quarterback that kind of lets everything else work. And I, th- I just think he's he's pulled a lot of things together for them. So I was surprised. I mean, in a world where you wind up searching for teams to rank, where there's it's impossible. This is the hardest year to vote. And you can just rationalize anything. I just was surprised, not because you covered Purdue and because people joke about that with you. I just thought they're 2-0 and in the Big Ten. That's kind of a thing. And I was just a little surprised they didn't slip in there on your ballot. And I would say two, two other things. Number one, Rondo Moore hasn't played for them yet. So do they have Rondo Moore or not? He hasn't played yet. And I don't know exactly what his injury status is. They keep talking like he might be coming back imminently, but he hasn't. And the other thing is George Karloftis got banged up the other day. And he's like the one guy they have on defense that is like fearsome and could play for anybody in the Big Ten, including Ohio State. Like he's legit. But if he can't play, that also – I'm kind of waiting to see exactly what happens with that. So they were in the mix. They were in the, the, among the teams that I looked at. But I, I, I stacked them up against any other team there. I don't think they're better than – I don't know who I would take off to put Purdue on that list. Yeah. No, you just have to – you'd have to dedicate your – you'd have to like Purdue enough to do it. I mean, it's one of those things. You can start – Michigan does not have to be ranked. In a world no. where it's like Michigan beat – up Minnesota who then lost to Maryland who Maryland got their butt kicked by Northwestern. It's like, okay, so Michigan beat Minnesota, who cares? And then they lost to Michigan state that lost to Ruck. You know, I mean, like there's enough transitive property stuff that if you wanted to rank two and O Purdue and not rank one and one Michigan, nobody could argue with that. You're right. I I agree with that. I guess I was just, as I looked down the list, it's like, so of the other teams I was considering you had, I mean, again, it's, it's Wake Forest, Virginia tech, Marshall, um san diego i mean just just like teams that are not that exciting and um I'm, i guess i'm still giving michigan the benefit of the doubt that it has the talent and just hasn't put it together but that's not fair i suppose either it's just it once you get down to that that part of the poll it is tough so um we'll find out i mean i i, I would still think that they have a pretty good shot at, at going into indiana and winning on saturday um i mean i've got i've got seven spots between them on my poll and I think that's probably wrong. That's like the thing that I think I probably, I talked myself into it in the moment. And I, I don't really think Indiana is the 16th best team in the country. Uh, I think Penn state's pretty good. And they won basically kind of on a fluke and, and bad clock management, but it's still a win. I, I mean, I think beating, I think beating Penn state is impressive. Honestly, I'm impressed that Ohio State beat Penn State. I'm impressed that Indiana beat Penn State by hook or by crook, however they did it. If you want to start stacking up, what are the best wins in the country? Because a lot of the good teams haven't played anybody. It's like, all right, Alabama beat Georgia. Texas A&M beat Florida. I don't know. I mean, Indiana beating Penn State. I mean, Ohio State beat Penn State. That's up there. Indiana beat Penn State is something. Penn State's running the table. Penn State's not losing again. No, that's, and that's, I guess, kind of the way I, I eventually fell on it. I just, if, if at the end of this time next week, if, if, you know, Michigan could beat Indiana, Penn State routes Maryland, and, and then where do those teams stack up? It's probably going to look very different. I, and, but you can't look into the future too much when you're filling this out. So were there any actual things that jumped out at you that I. No, that was an actual thing. I swear to God, I'm not joking. I thought, I thought Purdue probably did deserve to be ranked. And then the rest of it again. I'm, votes. I'm curious, you know, where you have your your uh, Pac-12 teams as of now, Oregon at seven, I think makes sense. USC at 12, Utah at 14, Washington at 15. It's all just a guess. 
But again, it'll get a little easier when the Pac-12 starts this week. But I think your top three, Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, I don't argue with that. Notre Dame at four, I don't argue with that. I just, I don't, I don't argue with much anything. And then I think we'll end up, you know, Cincinnati eight, BYU nine is sort of the non-power five teams who are in that mix. I think they're, they're probably about at the right spot. So uh, no, I didn't, there wasn't anything else like in the top 10 that I thought was, it was a miss by you. Yeah. I'm a little bit low on them probably against the consensus. I'm probably way high on USC and Utah and Washington against the consensus. So maybe that's where I'm, I'm coming off as like the most uh, extreme ballot, but um I think like you, I kind of take some pride in it. I don't like go in looking to have the most extreme ballot, but if I turn out to have the most extreme ballot, I think I'm fine with that. I think it is a grave mistake in modern, I mean, I I guess people don't actually think this in modern American culture and modern American thought. If you think agreeing with the consensus makes you right. Wow. The consensus has its head up its butt a lot. So like the idea that like being an outlier is wrong. It's not like you're not, you're not being an outlier for the sake of being an outlier. You just don't care what anybody else thinks because why should you? Because they're idiots. So if you disagree with them, who cares? Maybe it's right. Maybe it's wrong. I don't know that it's exactly a badge of honor, but it certainly is not a badge of dishonor. Have you met people? So yeah, I think you're good. Yeah. And I think I was galvanized last year when I was hearing from like all these Virginia fans. And I, I can't remember what there was another, I think it was Minnesota fans. Somebody else were like really getting up in me. Like you're the only one who isn't ranking them this high. And then you look at the end of the year and they're, they're nowhere to be found because uh, they, they were, they were not good teams. Um, actually it was Indiana fans, not, not, not Minnesota fans. Those some we, Minnesota fans. We do have, we're going to get to at the end of this, we always do our four for the playoff. We had an interesting off mic discussion at the end of our zoom call on Thursday night for the Friday podcast uh, where we turned off the mics and then someone asked about our thoughts about Cincinnati in the playoff race. And we actually had a good discussion. It was like, Hey, we should do this on a podcast sometime. And maybe that time is now. So if you are a Cincinnati fan, or if you have strong feelings either way about the undefeated Bearcats, I think we will get into them later in the podcast. Let's move on to margin call. And I'll go ahead and start since, and it, it ties right into what we were just talking, but um I'm going to, I'm going to sell Indiana. <laughs> I think like not, right now is as valuable as Indiana could probably be. They're two and oh, they're ranked number 16 in the country. And they got Michigan coming into town off of a embarrassing loss for them. So Michigan's underachieving. This looks like it's going to be the biggest game played in Bloomington in, I don't know how long this is their moment. This is their moment to like fully, I know that they, they beat Penn state, but they beat Penn state under questionable circumstances got outplayed for most of that game, iffy two-point conversion call, et cetera, et cetera. So all credit to them for winning the game, put themselves in position to win the game. But we're still kind of looking for that, like maybe like signature performance. And there's reason to believe it could be coming. So really, it's not me telling you that I think Indiana stinks, but on this like this buy-sell thing, like what, where, when has the Indiana football, not since like they went to the Rose Bowl in 1967 or whatever with um, a guy I used to cover at Danville High School, Danville, Illinois, the, the head coach there, Nate Cunningham, was a defensive back on that team. Not since like then, or not since like Antoine Randall, maybe, although those teams weren't that good. Like has Indiana football had this much value? So like I would sell my shares in Indiana football tonight and invest them in something else, but definitely not Coastal Carolina. I know what you're saying. I mean, I think it's the assumption of 
how, how high do you think that stock is? Or does everybody kind of think that? I mean, are there people who think Indiana's going to go nine and oh? I mean, I don't think there are. Are there people who think they're going to go eight and one and like beat everybody except Ohio State? I think I, I, I'm going to keep referring, I think, to Indiana as Ohio State JV. And, and that's not an insult, but it's just like they have because they have some skill players. Right. So it's like they have they have a skillful running back, Stevie Scott. They have Wap Fillier at receiver, who's like a real guy. Michael Penix is a real guy at quarterback. And then I think they have a good, solid defense. And I just do think that they give you a look a little bit that, you know, sometimes you play a team and they're all one thing or all the, they're all offense or they're all defense. I think they're pretty balanced. Sometimes you play a team that has like a quarterback, but nobody to throw to. Sometimes you play a team that has a good receiver. The quarterback stinks. I think they have competence at like a lot of places. And so like, I'm not, I'm not going to sell them because I believe in them to a certain degree and they don't have to beat Michigan for me to still believe in them. Cause I might, I might believe in them as like a seven and two team or something. Right. Which is like really stinking good for Indiana, you know, that if they wind up there this year. Um, so I'm going to sell Stetson Barnett, whose name is Stetson Bennett. Right. And I, and it's one of these things I, I assume, and I'm going to Spencer Talbot. I'm going to run a, I'm going to run a poll on the text subscribers. I assume that everybody on the text listens to the podcast, but I'm not sure. Cause I sent out something about Stetson Barnett on Saturday and a couple people were like, it's Stetson Bennett. And I was like, I know I'm kind of doing a thing. <laughs> and they, someone said like, unless shtick. you're doing, unless you're doing a shtick. And I said, my whole life is a shtick. Like, yes, I'm doing a shtick. So I don't know. I didn't watch it. Right. I just saw the stats, two interceptions. I think only nine completions. I don't know if they have a decision to make. And I know Dwan Mathis, one time Ohio State commit is there. He played early in the year. I just don't know if they have a decision to make, because if you just believe like this is not good enough, like we can go six and four, you know, go we can go eight and two with Stetson Bennett. But can we win the SEC championship? Right. Can we beat Florida? I think you might have to pull the trigger soon because like the the reality is catching up, man. And I don't mean to, it's like a really important decision because Georgia probably has as good of a defense as there is in the country. And as everybody says, if Justin Fields was at Georgia, I think they'd be the favorite to win it all because I think Georgia's defense is better than Ohio state's defense. So it's like you put Justin Fields with that defense. Now I don't think Georgia has Ohio state's receivers. So that's not a shot at Ohio state. It's a compliment for Justin Fields. You drop Justin Fields on a lot of teams. They might become a national title favorite, but that I think is how good George is. And they do have talent, but just looking at, I mean, you know, it's an exact, but CFB stats, the quarterback rating there, Stetson Bennett's 53rd in the country. You know, he has seven touchdowns and five interceptions. You know, I mean, he's, he's, he's throwing for 217 yards a game, you know, like he's just, and he's already peaked. He, you know exactly what he is. He's hit his peak, and now he's on the way down. So does Georgia, which has already lost to Alabama, has Florida coming. They're trying to win the East, get to a second Bama shot. I mean, really, you're going to take your second Bama shot with Stetson Bennett and be like, let's run this back? I think you might have a I mean, you have a decision, Kirby. It's right there. I don't know if it's JT Daniels coming down the pike, if whatever. I don't even know what's going on with him. The USC transfer who's not playing yet. I don't know if it's going to Dwan Mathis. I don't know what it is. But it's not this. 
I'm sorry to say, Stetson, but your time has come to an end. However, Stockbroker School has called and you have already been admitted. I think it's over. I'll be curious to see how Kirby Smart handles it. Well, and he, I don't know that he's has a reputation for making cutthroat quarterback decisions, obviously, in, in the recent past. And if, if they don't think he's good enough to be Florida, they've they have to make that decision like tonight because that's who they play next. They play them on Saturday. Like this is they're running. They're out of time. Like it's either he's the guy or he's not. But then do you want to get somebody else together just this week and have them debut against Florida? Those who do not learn from history are doomed to repeat it. So, yeah, get the quarter, get, get the backup quarterback ready. Yeah, maybe. This ain't it, Curbster. This ain't it. We're going to take a break there. We'll be back with Buckeye Talk. All right, we're talking Ohio State football here with our story of the week. Or I suppose we could talk about some other team, but I'm going to talk about Ohio State football with a story of the week. So I was looking, you mentioned uh, cfbstats.com, and I was looking at Rutgers, which is who Ohio State plays uh, allegedly on Saturday. And I'm like, where do they, where do they rank? So among uh, nationally in rushing and passing offense and rushing and passing defense, their ranks are 84th, 84th, 94th, and 4th. Do you know what they rank fourth nationally in? Highway rest stops. Possibly. And, and, and gas stations where you can't uh, – actually, they rank either first or second in gas stations where you can't pump your own gas. Yeah. Which is annoying. Just and, and lack of left-hand cheap. turns. Just cheap New Jersey jokes. Just cheap, <laughs> repetitive New Jersey jokes. Welcome to Rutgers Week. Although that, that diner that we went to last year in Jersey, I saw a diner that looked very much like that as I was driving. So it's definitely the farther east you get, the more common those places are. And it kind of took me back a little bit to our, our late night, whatever I had that night at Turkey Manhattan at 2 a.m. or whatever after that. I like game. New Jersey. I like New Jersey. I just don't think their football team is very good. What are, what's, what are they fourth in? They Pass are fourth defense? in rushing defense. Rushing defense. So my story of the week uh, as I'm grasping for interesting things about this game was so we saw Ohio state's running game hit another gear this past week. I thought that not just the running backs, but the, the whole unit of the, the front, the, you know, the, the offensive line too, going out and, and just kind of being more physical, setting more of a tone, the running backs falling in after that. So is there another gear? I mean, it's gonna be hard to, to gauge it completely against a team. That's a step down like Rutgers, but can they just come out and just absolutely flatten a team like Rutgers with the run game? Cause we had kind of suspected that we knew that they were going to be able to hook up and hit people in this passing game. We knew we thought Olave Wilson, fields we thought that this kind of thing is what we were going to see but can these guys go out and just maul guys can we start to see it like we said before from like harry miller from all five spots can they go out and just like flatten a team and on on a on a series or whatever um and and do, do we start to see can is there it, at what point do you write off trey sermon as the clear number two option now behind master teague or can he have kind of a bounce back and start to show something so those are kind of a couple of things that i'll be watching saturday what if they do maul them? What if they maul Rutgers? What does it tell you? Well, that's what, what if, I'm saying. Like it, it's it's harder to gauge when you're going against it that that kind of defense. Impossible to gauge. I mean, if they don't maul them, that's a five alarm fire. So, I think we have to. I mean, like it's like story angle, whatever story of the week. And I know it's category to talk about the game. I mean, it's like we can't. You honestly can't look to anything having to do with the other team because the other teams are going to stink for the next month. So, I mean, it's going to be really hard. It's going to be really hard, but 
if Master Teague or Trey Sermon or Harry Miller or whatever, any of these guys like look really good against Rutgers, it doesn't, I don't think it matters. I don't think it means anything. Actually, I think this is like the exact team that Trey Sermon's going to look good against. And people, that's a good point. Trey Sermon's going to run like 16 times for like 123 yards. And the Trey Sermon backers are going to start dropping. I told you so's. And I don't care. I won't care. I'm not trying to rip the guy. I'm saying like so far against teams with a pulse, I haven't seen it. And I don't, I don't care what happens against Rutgers. So, you know, at some point I'll stop saying this because we do have games to play and this is the way the schedule is playing out. And this is, these are the people that are in the same division as Ohio state. So you got to play them, but I'm, I, I, I'll, I think the, the tackles are becoming a story. They PFF had a stat after the game that there were 37 pass blocking reps against Penn state and Thayer Munford and Nicholas Petit Frere did not allow a single hurry against Shaka Tony and Jason Alway, two guys for Penn state that I talked about all week. And we all, I think when we talked about the offensive line this offseason, we, we mostly talked about the interior. Not that, you know, Munford's a third-year starter. Not a, no lack of respect for Thayer Munford, but we didn't talk about him the same way we talked about Wyatt Davis and Josh Myers. Big Partly because Thayer Munford was hurt last year, but he's back healthy. Nicholas petit Frere is a starter for the first time. And, like, if the tackles are going to be great, and now you're not going to get edge pressure against Justin Fields, how do you, how do, you do anything with this pass game? If you can't get consistent pressure on him, I mean, that's like not – you can't even get occasional pressure on him from the edge. So, I mean, that's going to be – that's just like game over for any pass defense. So, I, I wanted to make sure – you know, we'll see it again against Rutgers, but they already showed it. They showed it when it mattered on Saturday night, and uh, they deserve a lot of respect for that because – I think those are two legit dudes for Penn State, and the two Ohio State dudes showed up in a big, big way. Agreed. Uh, let's walk the line. This is where we discuss the Ohio State betting line and whether it seems high or low to us. Last year – One more thing. I forgot to sure. say this one thing. This is for Ari, I think, who asked the question a lot. When Greg Schiano was hired and unhired by Tennessee while he was at Ohio State, we asked him about it in news conferences several times, and I think Ari asked him about it the most. And he always said, this is not the time to talk about that. There will be a time, but it's not right now. And the time to talk about it was never. He never talked about it. It was just like he kept putting, not that we were shocked by that. So since now is the time, I think maybe I'll go into the post-game Zoom after Ohio State beats Rutgers. And the first question I'll ask Greg Schiano is, what happened with Tennessee? Because he's back in Ohio Stadium. And when is the time, Greg? When is the time? But that is a story. That is a story that we'll have to write one way or another this week that Greg Schiano, Rutgers savior, left good at Ohio State, then bad at Ohio State, now back at Rutgers. Someone made a point in the text on a text this week that I found incredibly intriguing because I had never really thought of it this way before. And I love when our texters at 614-350-3315, 14-day free trial, have me think about things in a new way. We always talk about coaches who are maybe great assistants, great coordinators, but are not great head coaches. This person brought up, are there people who are great head coaches who are not great coordinators? And I think Greg Schiano at Rutgers is a great head coach. I mean, that's not me thinking that. That's the world thinking that. That is guy and place fitting like a glove. But is there something about Greg Schiano that in terms of 
leading a program, setting things up the way he wants it to be that, you know, he came to work for his friend Urban and he was good for, a, you know, they're pretty good for a year, but then he didn't have a position group. I think we've gone over this before. I think he got a little too much in his own head scheme and stuff up and he put the defense in a bad spot in 2018. And on the list of people responsible for what went wrong with the 2018 defense, he's number one on that list. And that's only two years ago. And now he's at Rutgers and now he's like saving Rutgers again. But is there something about Greg Shiano that he's better suited for that? That even though he has a great resume, is he far better suited to be Rutgers head coach than he was Ohio State's defensive coordinator? I thought it was an interesting way to think about that. Because one of the things is like, maybe think Urban was never a coordinator. Urban went right from Notre Dame's receivers coach to Bowling Green's head coach. And Urban projects that. Urban's, a, I think Urban's been a head coach his whole life. I think Urban was a head coach when he was playing special teams at Cincinnati. I think Urban Meyer was a head football coach when he was playing minor league baseball for the Braves. Urban Meyer is a leader. Urban Meyer is in charge of stuff. And yes, he's a great offensive mind and he helped devise and, and institute the modern spread offense. But if he was only in charge of half of the ball and really digging in on that stuff, I don't know that he would have been as good as he was when he got a chance to leap from position coach to head coach and take over a program and everything that encompasses, which is a heck of a lot more than play calling. So I think Urban might be one of those guys. And Shiano and Urban are so similar. They're such good friends. I think Shiano might be one of those guys. So we'll have to do something some way or another with Shiano this week. I don't know exactly what it's going to be, but I do think it's possible that as much as I enjoy making fun of Rutgers, that that guy gets that program back, not to where they were, not to a top 10 program, because that's when they weren't in the Big Ten. But I think he might get them back on their feet because I think he's, he's the right coach for them. Okay, sorry. Well, like I've said, no, say just but like I said, like there's really no real excuse why Rutgers or Maryland can't do what Indiana does. Like you, you you're not going to be the best team in the East, but you don't have to be an embarrassment. And so, like that's it's, it's a low bar that I feel like is set for him. And in, in an average year, when you really don't play a tough non-conference schedule, usually they're usually playing some kind of East Coast nothing and then like some kind of crossover with another power five, but not like they're usually playing Clemson or whatever. I mean, they can, they should be able to get to six wins instead of like two. I think I think both Maryland and the Rutgers think that they should be able to beat Michigan State, which is yeah. we don't which means we don't expect I, neither of them expects to be Ohio State, Penn State or Michigan. But who can be the fourth best team in the East? Who can in an up year when you have a bunch of veterans and a great quarterback and maybe one of those top three teams has a young quarterback or is a little bit down, can you get them once every eight years? Can you jump up and bite them a little bit? Can you drop in a 10-win season every six years or maybe every four years? And the rest of the time you're, try you're dancing around seven or eight wins, bowl eligible, you know, competitive against everybody, win those games in the middle. I think that's the goal for both those programs. And I, and I don't think it's realistic. I don't think it's unrealistic for either of them. When you get the right guy who can recruit, who can establish a culture, who can get the backing of the administration and get people enthused about the program and who maybe sticks around for a while. But like, that's what Shiano's going to do. This is why Rutgers had to get this done with, with him. Because he's the only bar at Rutgers is the bar he set. And then he left, and then it, it was never as good for him anywhere else as it is here. And he tried to get the Tennessee job, and he now has a thing on his resume, fair or not, with what happened to Penn State while he was there that he had no part of. There's no proof he had part of anything, but yet it scared Tennessee away from him. 
I don't know that he'll ever get a better job than Rutgers. So he might coach at Rutgers for the next 15 years. And it, it might be the ideal fit for both of them. And yeah, then there's, if Nathan, there's no excuse, what you said, there's no excuse for Rutgers to be two and 10 when you get a guy like Greg Schiano and you give him a little bit of support. There's another thing I wrote in madness this week. This is a, a weird segue, but I, I was talking about Michigan. I was talking about Jim Harbaugh writing about them, I suppose. And I made an analogy that um, while it's unrealistic to, exp- you know, comparing them only to their success against Ohio State, things we've talked about is unrealistic, but he wasn't hired to be the blank of the East. And I was, I was making a comparison to a team from the West as in like, that seems like where Michigan has kind of plateaued. Can you guess which program I said? Cause I want to know if I think this was an, an apt, an apt analogy, Iowa. I said, Iowa, I said they weren't, he wasn't hired to be, to make Michigan, the Iowa of the East. And that I seems like right. what they are. Yeah, no, I think that's right. Cause I was not Wisconsin. They're definitely not Wisconsin. Right. And like they're kind of maybe next, but not definitely next. I think they are very seldom. Iowa is very seldom the second best team in the West, but they are probably over a 10 year period, the second best program in the West, but they don't really ever threaten to win the thing. I mean, they're honestly never really a threat to win the West. They're always a threat to be like, to go to a good ish bowl, be like six and three, five and four in the big 10, four and five. Yeah. But Michigan should aspire to higher than that. I completely agree. And also, my view on I've been a Jim Harbaugh holdout. My view, and I'm not the only one, my view is has changed. That's I think this Michigan State loss. And I think just from what I'm reading, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of people are saying this. A lot of people who were already out on Harbaugh are outer out on him now, but I was not out on him. And not because like I'm some kind of secret thing of, oh, I think it's good for Ohio State for Jim Harbaugh to be there. I thought he did a good job in a lot of ways. I thought he, he had lifted them back up. But my view has changed. And I think at some point, maybe this week, in a lousy opponent week for Ohio State, that's probably worth something worth getting into deeper than what we would be able to do right now. Let's walk the line. This is where we discuss the Ohio State betting line and whether it seems high or low. Last year... Ohio State was playing at Rutgers. That line opened at uh, a, a measly 50 and a half points and then got bet up, bet up to like 52 by the end of the afternoon. It was like immediate. People were like, only 50.5? Give me some of that. Uh, this year, uh, and they didn't cover that, by the way. Uh, so maybe that scared people off. This year, Ohio State, uh, the opening line was their favored by 37. I'm double checking that, but I think last I looked, it was still at that point. Um, yeah, still 37 per Circus Sports. Uh, most of the books haven't posted anything yet from Vegas, but um, yeah, that, that sounds about right to me. Hammer the Buckeyes. Hammer the Buckeyes. People are scared because last year it was 50 and they didn't cover. And they're thrown off because Rutgers won a game. Michigan State turned it over 11 times or whatever it was against Rutgers. I think legitimately seven. And Rutgers won that game. Rutgers did not hang with Indiana really at all. Um, that game was Indiana was up 23 to seven, 35 minutes into that game. The idea that Ohio state I, I, and it's home, it's home. That was on the road last year and Garrett Wilson dropped the punt and Garrett Wilson's a year older. He's not going to drop a punt this year. Like this line legitimately, if it was 50 last year, 
Is Ohio State's offense better this year or last year? This year. Okay. They're home. Okay. Greg Schiano is a more competent coach than Chris Ash. Everybody agrees with that. But it's not like the talent's any better. It's not. I, I think this is, I think, not that I think this line should be 50, because I think, you know, 50 is hard. It should be like 42 or 44. And I would, I would hit this as someone who got the game, the pick wrong last week. I would hit this hard. And I think this gets bet up to 42 because anything less than six touchdowns just doesn't feel right. And again, it's name that score. And Justin Fields against Penn state was standing in the pocket with four minutes left on third and nine, trying to throw a pass. They're not going to take him out in the middle of the third quarter. They're just not. So I think this is, I think this line is as four to five points too, too small. The more I think about it, you might be right, because uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of who would bet the Rutgers side of this right now, because that's the whole point. The whole point of the betting line is to try to get in the middle for them. I mean, they want money on both sides of this. So I don't know how I don't know who bets the Rutgers side of this. I guess the only thing you're talking yourself into is that Ohio State will pull people early after being up so much. And that opens the door for Rutgers to get some some second team points or something i don't even know but like the, the more i think about it here by the way i did get into a twitter uh squabble um a couple weeks ago not a squabble it was like one exchange I somebody like something something we had said on the pod so if you say if i say something on the pod and you tweet at me about it i might respond to that if it's just a thing on twitter i might not because i like to defer to the texters but if you actually listen to the podcast i might i might i might engage with you and they had they had said something steven and i had both said that something about Ohio state not scoring 60 against Rutgers. And I don't remember what the, the, I don't remember what the context was, but I point out that they've actually never scored 60 against Rutgers 56, 17, 49, seven, 58, 0, 56, 0, 52, 3, 56, 21. But that history does tell me like, I could, I could totally see a game like 56, 0, 58, 0, 52 to three. So yeah, I 37, the more I think about it, you're right. 37 is, is way too low. If Ohio state wins, 42 to seven Ohio state fans will be like, that wasn't very good. <laughs> so, I mean, honestly, but okay. But I mean, there are other teams, Clemson, other teams have had games like that this year where you're up, you're up 42 to nothing at halftime. And then you shut it down. That's a very rare, that Georgia tech thing was a very, very rare example. It's almost like they were up. T- if they'd only been up 28, nothing at halftime, they probably would have wound up winning the game by more, but they were up right. too much that like, they just, they just put in the whole second team in the second half, but I just, I still don't think they're doing that. So I just think, I think this line is low and I, again, I think it'll get to 42 and then we'll have to see that, what, what T shoe tells us on Thursday night on the zoom. And that was the point I was making in that Twitter exchange was that I think that's what happens in these games. A lot of times Ohio state gets up so much. I mean, they're just, they're, they're obliterating them to such a level that the other team's not scoring. So you can't keep your offense in the game. It's like you, that's how it ends up being like a a shutout, but you don't score that as many points as you might, if they were actually scoring points in a weird way. So, and that the, um, it was a 50, so it got up to like 52. They only, only scored 52 last year, but the 52 wasn't the problem. It was the, the 21, right? How did they give up 21? But again, it was some field position stuff, whatever, but I don't think this Rutgers team, I mean, you look at, for instance, the way Penn State came out and had a plan and went right down the field to start the second half, the way Nebraska came out with a plan and went right down the field and scored to open the game in week one. I don't think Rutgers is going to do either of those things. So I think Rutgers right. is less skilled offensively, obviously, than Penn State, but even than Rutgers, that even than Nebraska. 
So just just like come let me know when Rutgers pops a big one on Ohio State, even if you think this secondary has issues. Get back to me when Rutgers pops a 50-yard play, and then I can tell you whether or not 37 or 38 is, is a good line. I think you're right. Let's take a break there. We will come back and close up the Monday Madness version of Buckeye Talk. All right, we're back on Buckeye Talk, the Monday Madness edition. And I think if you listened to the previous segment, I think you know where we're going to go. The answer on this one, it's fear factor, which is how much should Ohio State fans be concerned about a loss in the next game or or just concerned about the game for other reasons, I suppose. Doug, can you we never set any parameters for this, whether you could take a number lower than zero or possibly like absolute zero, whatever that is, like 200 and whatever it is below Kelvin. Kelvin who? Kelvin Murphy? No, listen. So I I don't think zero can exist on any kind of college football worry meter this year. And it's because of what the person asked us after the game, which is what's more likely to stop Ohio State, a team left on its schedule in the regular season or COVID. And we were like, well, of course it's COVID. So like what worries you is like, well, I don't know. I mean, like something going goofy with that. Like there's not a single football thing. Um that worries me about this. And I I just, I mean, there's, there's not, there's just, there's not anything. I'm just, I'm doing my greatest hits. I'm looking back at some of my headlines. Will Ohio state football beat Rutgers by a hundred? That was a good one. I wrote that last year. Will they beat Rutgers by a hundred? And now I'm looking for my headline. When I wrote after a couple years ago, Rutgers will never beat Ohio state. Let's see if I can find that one. Rutgers will never beat Ohio state ever. Doug Lay Maurice Rutgers will never beat Ohio state. This is from 2016 to the person pulling this story out of the archives a couple hundred years from now and calling me a hater after that first Rutgers win in the series. You got me. My great, 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 great grandchildren can deal with the blowback. So like that's where I am. I don't know what to tell it's you. Doug Lame Reese the sixteenth. He's already he came up in the uh, in some of the off season stuff. Yeah. So sorry, Doug Lame Reese the sixteenth. He can play this podcast back too. <laughs> I mean, because that's one of those things that's like even when Rutgers gets going a little bit, they're still never going to get to the Ohio State level, right? That it's just I mean it's just never going to happen. So um, one of the things I I, I texted my well, from the acquaintances Steve Politi, who's the NJ.com columnist at our sister site. And he covers all the, you know, the New York pro sports, but I saw a lot of Rutgers stuff. I think a big story, and I was trying to tip him off, not tip him off on this, but I think the way Justin Fields played last week, this is not my worry thing. My worry is zero Kelvin, whatever you said. I'll be curious to see what the New Jersey coverage is, what are, what the NJ.com coverage is of this game. My official prediction at this point is that the Jets, I have to write this this week, I think. And I'm curious if they write it. I told him to write it. I don't know that he'll listen to me. He's better than me. He writes master's columns and goes to the Olympics all the time. I think the Jets and the Giants are going to wind up with the top two picks in the draft. And I think number one is going to be Trevor Lawrence and number two is going to be Justin Fields. And these guys who played high school football each other, uh, high school football 20 miles away from each other, and then met in the playoff. We're number one and two in their recruiting class, met in the playoff last year, are going to meet again in the playoff this year, are now going to play in the same city and share a stadium and share a media market for the next decade. So all these New Jersey, if you're a Rutgers fan, you're also a Jets or a Giants fan, probably 
this is your preview because I think the way Justin Fields has played, if there was anybody and there were people, if you think, okay, oh, maybe they'll take Panay Sewell. Good luck. Okay, great. Oh, maybe they'll give Daniel Jones a weapon. Dream on. This guy's an answer. Justin Fields is a franchise answer. And I wrote about it for my young NFL quarterbacks column this week that I do on the Browns. I rank all the quarterbacks in the league who have been in the league for less than five years to compare, compare Baker Mayfield to them. These are certainties. I think Joe Burrow was a certainty. The Bengals knew exactly what they were getting when they drafted Joe Burrow. I think both Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields are sure things. And unless you have a sure thing, you can't pass on a sure thing. And Daniel Jones is not a sure thing. And Sam Darnold is not a sure thing. And the Jets haven't won yet. And the Giants have one win. And the Giants might steal a couple more wins. They might be slightly too competent for this. And Justin Fields might wind up with the Jaguars. But the idea of like that Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence like can't get away from each other and that they wind up in New York together for their NFL careers is rather intriguing to me. So Rutgers fans, take this as your preview, Rutgers fans, because I am telling you, there should not be any NFL evaluator. You don't have to have him ranked as high as Trevor Lawrence. I get it. Maybe he's second, but it's, it's, if there was no Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields would absolutely be the kind of guy that you would take number one overall in the NFL draft. So get ready, Rutgers. That's what you're going to see in week three. So I, I agree with, to go back to the premise of the topic. What was the premise of the t- topic? <laughs> to go back to the premise of the topic, Buckeye Talk. I agree with you that there's no football fear from this game, um, but there is COVID fear, as there always is. So it's almost like it's almost like the baseline for this topic this year can never be zero, like you're saying. So like, what is what is the percentage fear that teams that people should have week to week that this is going to come up? I put it at like six percent. I'm putting six percent fear on just the that something could happen, which is about you know there's 14 teams in the Big Ten. We've already seen two of them get hit, so you got like a one in 14 shot of being the team this week that gets hit by it. I don't know. The numbers aren't good. I mean, it's just like the numbers in the country aren't good. The numbers in Ohio aren't good. I haven't looked at them in the last couple of days, but that's just hard. And I don't, I, th- I think we said it again. It's like, I don't know that anybody has reported that like Wisconsin did something wrong. And that's the scary thing. If you think there's people not taking it seriously, listen, Dan Mullen sounded like a dingling at Florida. Dan Mullen, you could tell the way he was talking about it publicly wasn't taking it seriously. So then privately with what their program was supposed to be doing, who was shocked when they had an outbreak? I mean, you couldn't be. That guy wanted 90,000 fans in the stands. So there's no proof of that. Listen, Wisconsin is in, is in a storm. It's in a COVID storm right now. And that's not coincidental as to why they have it. So again, I don't know that Ohio is quite at that level. Again, I don't want to talk incorrectly about community spread of COVID in Midwestern states because I'm not an expert on that. And frankly, I'm not really an expert on anything. But I just I don't know how you couldn't have the worry. I, I would say the worry with what has happened at Wisconsin and now the fact that it hit Illinois, too. I don't think it's back of the head worry anymore. I think it's middle of the head. It's like right at my hairline. Now, my hairline is back more in the middle of my head. It used to be further front in my head. So it's still not at the back of my head. But my worry is at my hairline, which means it is farther back than I would like it. And it's a little bit gray. So, I mean, my lead topic in madness this week is looking at this some more and and you know the big 10 already reversed itself once the big 10 already said we're canceling the season and it won't be revisited and then they revisited it and now we have a football season so what based on the trend that we're seeing right now 
how much farther would this have to go before they reverse their decision again? You've already got one team that had is shut down and had to cancel a game. You, the team that they played also had an outbreak or at least has a couple of cases and maybe an outbreak. They had another bunch of players set aside for contact tracing. Randy, so if now- you're listening, Randy, if you're listening, don't book a flight yet. This is just Nathan <laughs> spitballing. This is just this is just ruminations. No, um, and I'm not, I'm not ju- I, like I'm talking to Randy Wade, who is very well informed about what's going on and, and was very proactive on what went on. I'm just saying, I think there, there was enough of that, right, that I don't think in the end that was what what did it. The science allowed them to react to that if they wanted to. Um, but man, that's that public pressure now to pull the pin. I mean, it would take. You're 100% right, but man, could well, you actually see it? Could you actually imagine it happening? Them seeing, being like, nope, that's it. We can't do it. I think you're right in that the public pressure would be crazy. However, just okay. So just imagine though, like Wisconsin has its outbreak, and then Illinois has one right out. Let's say we find out that there's more cases at Illinois, and then now let's find out what if we find out that then Purdue has an outbreak after having just played Illinois. Like when you start to see that domino effect, are there enough presidents and chancellors in this conference that would say, "This is exactly the thing that we were terrified of." Not exactly the thing, because they'd be more terrified if there were hospitalizations and, and real illnesses and things like that. But this, from a spread standpoint, this is exactly what we were terrified of, and now we're bailing out. I think there would be some sentiment for that. I don't think it would be the prevailing sentiment. I don't think you would have. I don't think it would get to that shutdown level. But I also think that we are we are the, the Big Ten is certainly you cannot argue trending the way that it hoped to trend especially this early in this process to be two weeks in and already have one game canceled. um, Another team that has having an outbreak, potentially everybody else kind of walking on eggshell. I mean, if you're Purdue, if you're a Purdue fan this week, like you already think you probably can't play at Wisconsin, but now what if your team contracted something from Illinois where you've already seen that they have, I mean, it's, you can, you can do the math. It's, it's um, it's not what people, it's not what they had in mind for being, still the front and center kind of storyline for the big 10 after two weeks. I think it would take probably seven or eight dominoes. And so far there are two. So there are, we're, I think, I don't think it's four dominoes. I don't think it's five. I think it would take, I mean, it might take, and I'm not saying like you'd have to have 11 of the 14 programs in the big 10 have serious outbreaks for it to happen. But I think it would almost have to reach the point where there's almost like nobody could, it's like there's uncontrolled spread through the conference. And so, I just think that short of that, it would be very, very hard for them to do. And maybe you would see individual programs who feel like we can't get it under control. We've already missed so many games. We can't have these guys around each other. Maybe you'd see individual programs pull out or something like that. But um, we're not trying to scare anybody, but you can't be blind to it. And we're not we're not experts in this, in epidemiology and in community spread and that kind of thing. But We do know what the Big Ten said, and I think the point that you're making, Nathan, is that the Big Ten views this differently than other major conferences. And so when you you see these things happen, you can't just assume that just because the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12 might have had something and fought through it that the Big Ten's going to treat it exactly like they did. I think that – I don't know that anybody could argue that. So assuming we get to a college football playoff this year, who's your four? This is our last category. This Cincy Talk, strap in for Cincy Talk on Buckeye Talk.
Well, I don't think either one of us are picking Cincinnati. Do you want to say who we're picking and then who our four is this week? And then we'll get into the Bearcats. I wonder if Luke would come on if I called Luke. I've been in his house. So if I called Luke and said, would you come on the Cincy talk portion of Buckeye talk? He wants to prop. I was talking to Pete. Pete's his guy. Pete Thamel got Luke on the phone and did a little playoff talk. I saw Ralph Russo from the AP was doing a little Cincy playoff talk. We had the little off mic Cincy playoff talk. And my team is Texas A&M. I was almost who I picked, actually. I was very close to picking Texas A&M. Could I say that I was watching the Texas-Oklahoma State game finish up as Ohio State-Penn State was getting ready to start and hoping that Oklahoma State would lose just because you made them their year four last week? Oh, it was that was inevitable. <laughs> right. So why did you pick them? Uh, because I think, like, I, again, I don't feel like – I feel like everybody I'm picking, I can give you – as many reasons why I shouldn't pick them as why I should. Who's your team? Which is not true of the top three. Well, I'm actually resending. Uh, <laughs> I'm going back on the first, the first episode of, of this version of Buckeye talk. I, I think I sold Notre Dame and now I've talked myself and I'm taking Notre Dame for my four this week. Because you think Notre Dame is going to beat Clemson without Trevor Lawrence. Because I think, yes, because I think Minnesota, Notre Dame could beat Clemson without Trevor Lawrence which opens the door for both of them end up making the playoff. If Notre Dame beats Trevor Lawrence, beats Clemson without. Oh, Trevor they won't beat Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence. They'll beat Clemson because he's not playing. I agree. I think if Notre Dame beats Clemson this week without Trevor Lawrence, I think the playoff is over. I think Notre Dame could beat Clemson with Trevor Lawrence in the ACC championship game and Clemson two lost Clemson would still make the playoff. Because they're Trevor Lawrence, because they're Clemson, because they'd have two losses, but one of them wouldn't count because right. Trevor Lawrence wouldn't play. And because everybody would think, dang, Notre Dame is good. And then be like, hey, who you want to make the four? You want to make it uh, Cincinnati? Hey, who you want to make the four? You want to make it Texas A&M? Or do you want to make it one of the two dominant programs in the country the last five years with the best player in the country? who they lost one game when he was healthy to the team that's now number one? Or do you maybe want to make it them? Oh, yeah, we'll make it them. So if Notre Dame – so like Notre Dame's – this is it. The playoffs over if Notre Dame beats Clemson this week. And then we can abandon this thing because this thing is like who are your four playoff teams? We've turned it in. Who's your four? Because we know who the first three are. And maybe we should revisit the thing that you wrote this week about could Ohio State get past those guys at all? But it's so clear that the leader for the fourth spot is anybody who beats one of the top three. That's the leader because maybe they claim one of the top three and then the fourth spot goes to one of the top. But that's it. That makes your four. Everybody else can go home if that happens. That's how much ahead of the rest of the world Bama, Clemson, and Ohio State are. So, like, if – but – are you saying so? You think Notre Dame? You actually are you going to pick Notre Dame? Would you pick Notre Dame to beat Clemson without Trevor Lawrence this week? That's your is that an actual projection by you, or it will be probably maybe by the end of the week? I have not scrutinized that game enough to make that pick. I think Clemson wins because I think DJ and I was looking at how to pronounce it. I was saying it wrong before. I think it's Ulungalele. Is I think that's right. Such the real deal. He got his feet wet against BC. Everybody freaked out and made Jeff Halfley coach of the year because Boston College was leading, was leading Clemson at halftime. He leads the comeback. They win. 
in a tight one. Credit to Boston College and Jeff Halfley and Jalen Gill for keeping that close. But now he's done it. And I still think the rest of Clemson is next level, uh, uh, high enough above Notre Dame that they still win. Um, but I think, I think to your point, I mean, if you're going down that road, what, so say you think they don't say Notre Dame loses. Do you think two loss Notre Dame? Do you think they're still a, a legitimate contender? Two losses to Clemson. Well, I guess the other question is if, if, if Clemson beats Notre Dame, is it assured that they will play again for the ACC championship or could someone else end up, playing Clemson for the national championship or for the SEC championship, ACC championship, because then that's the other scenario where Notre Dame can get in. You're, you're the number four team in the country right now. You lose to number one and then you don't lose again. So you've got one loss and it's to Clemson. So in the ACC Clemson and Notre Dame have zero losses. Miami has one loss. Everybody right. else already at least has two. Right. Miami and Notre Dame do not play. Right. I don't so, know the tiebreaker there. So, if Clemson beats both them, Clemson's already beat Miami. So if Notre Dame and Miami both have one loss to Clemson, they don't play each other. I don't know, as you said, what that tiebreaker is for who would play Clemson in the ACC championship game. But again, it is a convoluted thing that if I were in the committee room, I would fight against that. If you think Notre Dame is better than Miami and Notre Dame earns the right to lose to Clemson again, and Miami doesn't earn that right, but somehow by not earning that right now, Miami should be the four seed with one loss instead of Notre Dame with two losses when neither of them have both have proven they can't beat Clemson. Notre Dame just got to prove it twice, but the result is Miami makes the playoff. But in your heart, you think Notre Dame is better and they didn't. I think losing a conference championship game, you don't count the loss against them really because you earn the right to lose that game. At least if you're you not comparing those two teams head to head, you don't you don't count that game when you compare it against a team who did not make a, a conference championship game. So I would throw out that. And so I would go back to comparing Notre Dame and Miami previous to the championship game. So I, I went through this very quickly. It's just it's already so limited when you think about this fourth spot and of power five teams. And, and the Pac-12 has not played yet, so it doesn't count them. The Big Ten's only played two games, but I am counting them. There's only seven undefeated teams in the Power Five. Uh, it's only four conferences because I'm not counting the Pac-12. Clemson, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Indiana, Northwestern, Purdue, Alabama. That's it. So there's four in the Big Ten, and then Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame. Those are the seven undefeated. And there's 13 one-loss teams, and six of them are in the Big Ten, Outside the Big Ten, these are the only one-loss power conference teams left for the other three conferences. Miami, Iowa State, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, Georgia, Florida, Texas A&M. Georgia and Florida play each other, coming up. Iowa State, Kansas State, and Oklahoma State, snooze, not interested. Who knows what's going to happen in the Big Ten? I'm telling you what, man. Texas A&M has a loss to Bama. They're in the same division as Bama. They have a win over Florida, which is one of the three best wins in the country right now because Florida is in the top 10. It's the only loss Florida has. Texas A&M's remaining games are at South Carolina, at Tennessee, Ole Miss, LSU, at Auburn. The only one of those teams that's ranked is Auburn. LSU stinks. Those other teams all stink. They're not going to make the SEC championship game, and they are a Cincinnati roadblock. You cannot look at a one-loss Texas A&M team whose only loss is to Alabama and who beat Florida and say, well, Cincinnati beat SMU. 
Cincinnati, Cincinnati, I'm shifting Cincinnati. Texas A&M's got a track, and I had Wisconsin in this spot last week as a team that I thought had a track that you wind up with one loss. You're a power five team with one loss, and your only loss is to one of the teams in the playoff. I think Wisconsin still could be on that track if they get this together with the COVID stuff, but Texas A&M is right there. I I don't know that they're going to lose just because their schedule stinks, and a resume that is one loss, and it's to Bama – against the rest of the junk that's going to be out there is going to be pretty good. And it's going to be better than anything Cincinnati can offer. I will say, I think if the football playoff rankings were coming out today, I don't think A&M would be nearly as high as they are in the eight people. I have them 10th. I think they're up into the top 10 now. And that was one of the ones I was actually a little bit uneasy about. The computers don't like A&M. And I don't know if if it's, if it's the underlying performance that they're seeing in these games, but they're, um, they're 21st in ESPN's FPI. They are 28th in Sagarin. So uh, I, I agree with what you're saying, and I almost actually picked them on on the same for the same reasoning that you're putting out there. But I also think that they also might be one of those teams that there's something's going to trip them up. So we'll see. So let's talk Cincinnati quickly, and maybe we can keep talking about them. I use the Sagarin ratings just as some kind of rating to grab. Right to try to in the AP actual AP poll, Cincinnati is sixth, Texas A&M is seventh, Florida, who lost to Texas A&M, is eighth. So it's like I get it. Maybe you don't like Texas A&M. That's a good. I mean, what do you want, computers? I don't know. What do you want? Cincinnati's wins by Sagarin ratings, which is incorporate strength of schedule and a bunch of other stuff, are over number forty-five SMU, number forty-eight Army, number fifty-three Memphis, number one twenty-two South Florida, and number one seventy Austin P. So if you're jacked up because SMU and Army are in the top 50 and Cincinnati beat them, let me ask, answer me this question. And, and again, I, I've, I am okay playing the imaginary game when you're talking about non-Power 5 conference teams. If Michigan had played Austin P, Army, South Florida, SMU, and Memphis, what would their record be? Would they be 5-0? and Well... I'm and if you don't like Michigan, almost lost to Army at home. If you don't like year. Michigan, what would Penn State's record be if they played Austin P, yeah, Army, South Friday. Florida, South SMU, and Memphis? What would their record be? They'd be five no, and right. right. But they're zero and two. Now do Texas A and M. Now do I mean heck? Probably do Oklahoma. Do Texas? Do any number of teams? Would Cincinnati have beaten Florida the way Texas A and M did? I mean that's right. the thing. That's what... what is the proof here? And the proof is not that you beat SMU. And my point is not, I'm not, I don't care that it's fair. It's not fair because they're not as good. They're not on the same level. They're not going to get the chance. And I, there's going to be too many people in that room who say, you know what? And now again, if, if every other option has two losses and they're undefeated, then the door is cracked. I'm telling you, I don't think Texas A&M is going to have two losses. Cincinnati better be rooting for Texas A&M to lose. Pete Thamel said when he was talking to Luke, Luke admitted he was like watching an Oklahoma State. And I think rooting for Oklahoma State to lose to Texas because you got to wipe out all the possibilities. But man, I just, I mean, are we living in the world? I know they have good players. I get it. It's only four spots, man. Texas A&M had to play Alabama. You're going to put in Cincinnati. I just, I just do not see it. And I'm fine with it. I don't, I don't, I wouldn't do it. And I don't see it. I think it takes two losses from every other possible contender. I said this topic came up last week, and I said they, they had just come off of this 42-13 win at SMU, 
And I said, they're going to have to do that every week. It's going to have to be a thumping every week. And maybe they heard that because they went out and crushed Memphis 49 to 10. But again, any other, any of these other teams that have losses that you're talking about, I think would probably also thump Memphis 49 to 10. A lot of them would. So your point is taken and they still have to keep doing that. They can't, they can't have normal wins. They can't do, they can't have 28 to seven against South Florida. They got to keep throttling people. If they do that, I think that the case is going to grow. At least the case in uh, public opinion is going to grow. It's already starting to grow because I think people look around and see, and I think people kind of want to root for the underdog. There's a lot of people out there and I'm one of them who is ready for a bigger playoff and wants some of these teams to get some kind of a shot. But when you're only talking about four spots, I don't automatically, I, I don't root for those teams to get four spots just just to like mix things up. You know what I mean? Those four, that four spots should be go to who deserves it. And right now it would not be Cincinnati. Everybody wants an underdog. Like people love an underdog in the NCAA tournament, right? Till they get to the final four. And then it's like, Hey, we're in the final four. And then George Mason loses by 40. And it's like, man, I wish Duke was here. So, I mean, I'm just, I'm just, it's the way college football is built. I mean, if you want them to have a 32-team playoff, then let's play an eight-game regular season, and you can have a 32-game play, 32-team playoff. Oh, but in, in the meantime, let's not pretend. <laughs> let's not pretend. Why? Why does everybody like to pretend? And why? I thought we were past being infatuated with the zero in the loss column. I mean, that's that's why BYU won the national championship in 1984. Like, are we? Aren't we past that? Can we please get past it? And I'm not saying Cincinnati's bad. I'm saying they're not as good as Georgia. <laughs> like that's. Well, well, by the way, BYU is in this mix too. BYU is right there next to Cincinnati in the poll. I know. I don't want to see so, them I mean, there either. They're they're in that same. They, if you're if you're rooting for Cincinnati to do, I don't know how you're not also maybe making the same case for BYU. I will also say Cincinnati two two of their last three games are at UCF and at Tulsa, which are relative to their level of play, which is the most damning thing I can actually say about them. But relative to their stature are two teams that are nothing to sneeze at. I think those might be tough road games for them, or they would be in a normal year. Maybe they're not in the COVID travels. And listen, I'm, I'm not being dismissive of Cincinnati as a program. I'm being dismissive of Cincinnati as a national title contender in a season where nobody got to play any non-conference games, really. And in a world where the playoff is only four teams and those spots are like gold, and I am not being dismissive of Luke, but if Luke wants to play for a national championship, he should have taken the Michigan State job. He or didn't he take, take it. the next job that comes open. Take the next job and then go play Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State every year and beat them. And nobody will argue about whether your team should be in the national cha- what should be in the playoff or not, because you will have conclusively proved it on the field repeatedly, not like with one or two good wins and then a schedule that doesn't doesn't compare. So that's all. And that is not dismissive. It's realistic, but it is in, inane to pretend that that schedule is as good. And I get it. Ohio state schedule stinks. Let's have Cincinnati go on the road and beat Penn state. And I get it. I know Penn state lost at Indiana. I'm, I, I understand it. Let's have Cincinnati go on the road and beat Indiana right now. So it's just, and, and, and I'm sorry that that wasn't able. I'm not even sure we should look it up. I don't know who Cincinnati was supposed to play in the non-conference this year, but that that got wiped out. It's hard to find now, actually, when you do searches for schedules, it's all yeah. been wiped out to the news. By what's stuff. happening. So it's just unfortunate, but I think I said it before and I'll say it again. I think the weirdness of COVID it does not open the door 
on a group of five team. I think it shuts the door on a group of five team. Some people are saying it's crazy. I'm saying like, yeah, it's crazy. Let's like you keep your circle tight when it gets crazy. And so it's like keeping the circle tight means are you picking, are you picking Notre Dame or Georgia to be the fourth team? It does not mean let's be impressed by a win over SMU. You mentioned before about how lopsided that Ohio State game was last year. And I'm, I'm curious if, if that had been, if Ohio State had led 21 to 10 at halftime and won 38 to 17, just, just still a comfortable win for Ohio State, how much would that change the way we look at Cincinnati? Just the, you and I look at Cincinnati. Some Cincinnati looked like they didn't belong when they right. played that game. And that's your shot. So how can you put a team? They had one chance. They had one chance in the last 15 months to prove something against a higher level of competition. And they look like they didn't belong. So it would change it. Some, if you just got beat, you know, you got beat, but you made some plays, you did some things. They looked like they didn't belong and you can't put a team that doesn't belong in the playoff. Unless it's Oklahoma. Unless it's Oklahoma. And I knew that was brought it back. Nobody dressed as Alex Grinch for um, for Halloween. But we didn't even get any trick-or-treaters. We didn't get to see anybody. It was like rainy and cold, and we don't live on a great street for that. It's real busy traffic and stuff. Yeah, I we had candy out on a table for people to come, but then I went and got chilies uh, in the middle of it. So, sorry. Because we moved ours. Was yours Thursday? How many days a week do you eat it? Uh, Thursday. It was Thursday night. Because they moved ours from Thursday to Saturday. No, I eat chilies. My new thing is I'm eating chilies every time I watch an Ohio State game from my couch. Well, that was what threw me off because ours was Thursday, and I thought maybe that was just a greater Columbus thing. So Because we were told that the reason they do it on Thursday here is because of Ohio State football. So I thought that you had had it both Thursday and Saturday, which I thought was going to suggest might be a little much. You mean if we had trick or treat on Thursday and Saturday, if I had chilies on Thursday, chilies, they (laughs) moved it. Give these kids all the candy they want. They got many years to burn that off. You don't. It was going to be, it was originally scheduled for Thursday. And then the weather forecast was so bad. They moved it to Saturday. Oh, okay. But, and it did overlap. I was actually bad planning. I think it was from six to eight. So it overlapped with the first, quarter of the Ohio State Penn State game which meant that I was like yelling up the stairs go away I'm trying to watch football That's pretty much your default setting I think probably but uh, that wraps up the Monday Madness edition of Buckeye Talk uh, no pod on Tuesday as you all know get the text if you haven't already 614-350-3315 I mentioned in my one of my texts over the weekend that we passed kind of another milestone there we are we really grateful those of you who joined here in the last couple of weeks we're really excited to have you on board and um, we hope you're finding great value from it. We're going to keep bringing you news and notes and analysis and, and all the other good stuff. Um, and back to the uh, a full pod on Wednesday. I'm Nathan. He's Doug. That was Buckeye Talk.